Yeah, so I think esports drastically uh, changed after Twitch came out. Mm-hmm. I call it the post-Twitch era of esports. So Twitch came out and it all changed. And you saw crazy money coming into esports mm-hmm. from sports teams everywhere. Like Envy just got had gotten like $70 million, right? Optic is getting funded. Everyone's getting funded. And Complexity been along around longer than all these brands. And we were like, man, where's where's our shot? And we had offers, but they were kind of like shady offers. Like, oh, a billionaire's son wants to buy the team and run it. And we're like, we're not doing that because we know how that's going to end up. And we've really built something special here. Right. Then the Cowboys came along. And they came along through an introduction, actually, by Craig Levine. And I always credit Craig with being the godfather of esports. And and he had our back and recommended uh, us to them. And we entered into conversations. And Jason flew out to the star many times and was sort of our emissary in these negotiations. And after about four months of going back and forth, we had a deal. It was obvious we needed outside money mm-hmm. to compete. And we're better outside money and who better to sell to than the number one sports brand in the world. You couldn't ask for something better on your resume. And the way they wanted to treat the team after the acquisition and the way they have treated their team, they've been, you know, men of their word. That integration from a sports and esports level, I think is the best in the game. Wow. And it's been incredible and complexity is thriving now. And I think we made the right choice. And every time I look back at that decision, I go, yup, that was, that was the move. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the Global Scholar Practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I'll also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action. But I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges. It's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. Welcome to Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast. Good day, everyone. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. I'm your host of the Dr. Mark Podcast on the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network. We're in the studio with Innovation Media Enterprises located at City Central and North Dallas Addison. Beautiful place. You know, I used to live here in Dallas. You know, I lived in Valley Ranch, but Capel, but people call it Valley Ranch. But that's the snooty people call it that. I called it that too, but I didn't know. I'm from New Jersey. I don't know the difference. I lived here for three years. I really loved it here. When I was here, I was at the corporate headquarters of Foot Action. But today we're here to talk about something really important. But I want to give a big shout out to our partners, Sia and Aaron from Innovation Media Enterprises. They do a fantastic job. And today I got to shout out my engineer, AJ. Thank you, AJ, for making us sound so good. This is great. But the most important person I got to thank is Jacob Miles III. Yes, he's the engineer behind all of this. Uh, Jacob Miles III gave me this wonderful opportunity, but Sia is the one that brought brought him uh, to my attention and vice versa. And uh, December 1st, I made it official. So I'm now a part of the family. So I'm very excited to be here. But even more so, I'm excited to do a podcast. I always wanted to do a podcast. I've done shows before, but but now I'm like, I get a chance to do a podcast and I get a chance to talk to really cool people. How do you feel, man? I'm feeling good. I'm excited to be here. We've obviously chatted a lot on LinkedIn, so happy to connect in person in this crazy COVID world and, yeah. and get some good stuff going. 
Yeah, we we before we get started, before I introduce you to this amazing human being across from me, I got to say a few words so people understand what kind of show this is. This is the show that talks about video games, esports, music, fashion, entertainment. We I just want to talk about things that that really gets to people, but also talk about the things that people overcome, adversity they've overcome, so they can give people a more sense of of, of feeling good about themselves and they can overcome anything. So I know you, my man, have overcome a lot, and you're still here and you're breathing, and I'm excited to see you. And uh, this person I'm talking about is, is my brother Charles over here, brother Charles Conroy. He's an amazing human being, 17 years in the game. He's a veteran. Yeah, he's a veteran. I said he's a veteran. He's only 33 and he's a veteran. Come on now. Half of his life. Yeah, seriously. I, at this point, officially over half my life has been spent in esports, which is a crazy thought. And, and, and again, you know, before we go into his amazing story, I find it fascinating that someone so young, that's so poised and has done so much. He's done more by the time he was 25 than people probably do by the 40 or 50 years old. It's just truly amazing. Right now, to Charles, he's the vice president for the Switch. He was formerly the chief development officer for an equity partner for Complexity Gaming. He was the general manager for DirecTV's championship series, gaming series, when he was in Dallas, running uh, the Dallas Venom at 17 years old. <laughs> Again, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that one. 17 years old, general manager for the Venom, okay? He graduated from Southern Methodist and sociology and television and media. So we had one thing in common. I wasn't a boss back then like that, but I did major in sociology. Nice. <laughs> so study of human behavior. And he's, as I said, a 17 year veteran. But I think he loves, I think he loves coming up here a lot. He's already been on the Future Eye a marketing program with my, with my uh, colleague Chantel, the John Davidson DLC, DLC to drop, and also Lewis Johnson all in with esports. Now you're here. You're, I'm the fourth one. You want to select this, the plants? What, what is it? You know, they have free coffee here and there's a tap downstairs for after the show. So, okay. That okay. gets me here. <laughs> okay. And we got these nice cold water glasses here. Yeah. No, I mean, Dallas has got an incredibly vibrant esports scene. So it's, it's very cool. This network is launched and that they have interesting people talking about a variety of subjects. It's not the same thing every time. Right. So it's been cool coming here four times and, and having four completely different conversations, quite honestly. Yeah. And, and earlier we were talking and wondering why this cologne is up here. What, what kind of clothes do you wear, man? I wear Burberry Brit. Burberry bread. Okay, I want you to smell this one. This is a million, okay? Okay. See, a totally different conversation every time. This has never happened. Exactly. No one does that, right? No one does that. Because we, we, you know, every, we, you want to smell good. Even when you're going out and you're playing your games or when you're out, period, you're going out on the town, especially in Dallas, you want to smell nice as well as look good. It smells good, huh? You like that? It's good. Yeah? And then I got the Invictus for you. See, these are my right. favorite colognes here. Luckily, I have two wrists. He has so two wrists, yes. yes. I brought both of them today. I'm glad you did. And if you didn't, that would have been fine. You could get a neck in your ear, you know, back your leg. You like the Invictus is nice, right? I like this one. I like the yeah. second one. Invictus is my favorite cologne. Now, people are wondering, why is he talking about cologne on here? Because I like to smell good. Maybe next time I'm talking about sneakers, because I'll talk about that too. So anyway, I just want to, we want to, let's talk a little bit about your life growing up, because you're, you've, you're, you live in Dallas now. You Correct. just came from New York, and but you grew up in Connecticut in Fairfield. Tell us about your childhood growing up. Yeah, uh, so I grew up as a, Pretty typical suburban kid, with the difference being that esports and online gaming had become uh, sort of a, a new thing that everyone had. There's 56k modem days. But other than that, I socialized quite quite normally, right? I mean, I went to school, I played sports, did pretty well in school. Mm -hmm. I had an older brother that was 10 years older than me that I looked up to, much like every kid looks up to his older brother. So right. my older brother was this god. And I was constantly trying to hang out with his friends and, and do stuff like that. And, and I was sort of, I, I'd like to think, one of the early generations for online gaming. Mm -hmm. Because online gaming came out when I was in, 
I want to say fifth or sixth grade. So around sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade, you could play with your friends without being in the same room. So, you know, when I was younger, it was all about N64 mm-hmm. and GoldenEye actually was like the most social thing. When you were third, fourth grade, you're going over the rumble pack, ordering two pizzas and you're playing till, you know, two in the morning. Right. Uh, or what felt like two in the morning. It's probably like 11 PM, you know, right. We were kids, but GoldenEye socialized my, I think every group of friends of that generation. And then the ability to play online came out. And it was like, oh my God, I don't, I, I don't play video games with my friends on Saturday night and right. something I look forward to. I can actually play on like a Tuesday night right? versus my buddy. And so the social element of gaming is really what drew me to it at first because esports wasn't a thing. right? And, and so that's kind of how I grew up both in the gaming sense and the traditional sense. Just a, a pretty normal suburban kid. It's funny because I was a pretty normal suburban kid too. And we didn't have online gaming. I'm dating myself here. Okay. <laughs> we had the Atari and we had the Intellivision and the 6200, 5200. We didn't have that. No such thing with online gaming. I was an, an executive in corporate America by that time that happened. But, but you mentioned that you were a normal suburban kid. Not too many uh, suburban kids' parents do what your parents did, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so your, your 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 father, you know, your dad was into real estate, and your, your mom worked for Macy's Parade, Disney, and managed the famous Rockettes. How normal is that? Yeah, I, I guess it's not so normal when you think about it, but uh, I grew up about an hour and 10 minutes from New York City, so mm-hmm. a lot of my buddies' parents worked in New York, and again, when you're young, I don't think you really get what your friend's parents do, nor do you care. My dad was in real estate. He was a developer building shopping centers, which at the at the time I didn't understand how complex that, that situation was. I just kind of thought my dad built shopping malls. That's cool. And my mom before me was, before I was born, was in the entertainment industry as the head of events for Macy's, which is where she met my father, working with Radio City and managing all their special events, including the Christmas show, which I've heard a lot of interesting stories from her growing up. One of my favorite ones is when the Rockettes and the little people from the show would go out drinking and the little people from the show would get really hammered and (laughs) these big, beautiful women would carry uh, them back to Radio City. Over their shoulders? Over their shoulders. So (laughs) you saw little people being walked into Radio City by these tall, gorgeous women. And uh, that was sort of normal. So stories like that, looking back on it, are not so typical suburban. But again, when you're a kid, you just care about hanging out with your friends doing decently well in sports and, and, and doing well in school. And that's, that's kind of what I cared about. So what was interesting is that you started playing Counter-Strike early and you started going to the city, to New York city, which is a melting pot as we know. Right. And one of the things I appreciate about you when we first met, we first, when we first did our first, our conference, our, what was it? A zoom conference. We met on a panel. On a panel. Yeah. It was a zoom conference. It is so crazy to say that right now, but where I'm happy that people are being safe and that, that hopefully in the next year or so, we won't have to do any more Zoom conferences like this. But we we met, and one of the things I loved about you was your spirit and your energy and how much you Thanks, adored cultures, right? So tell us about when you went to New York City, you told me a story about, you know, you, you got a chance to learn about Korean barbecue yeah. and other cultures. Tell, tell us about your experiences in New York. Yeah, so, you know, where I grew up, people were pretty similar as a fairly homogenous community. And then going in New York City, it's the opposite of that. So mm-hmm. I was not really exposed to a ton of cultures going, you know, going to school in Connecticut. But then you go to New York City and, and you have everybody, man. You know, every every race under the rainbow, you know, girls were gaming, guys were gaming. It was just, it was everybody. Mm-hmm. New York's everybody. And so after, you know, my first tournament, everyone went out to Korean barbecue and, you know, when I grew up in, in Connecticut, barbecue was like ribs and it wasn't Texas barbecue. I can't even say it was barbecue now that I'm in Dallas, but like the whole concept of Korean barbecue blew my mind. Right. Uh, the first time I had ramen blew my mind and it was because I was never exposed to that. So I actually got 
you, you know, that very early dose of quite a lot of diversity through gaming, meeting people from other cultures that came from completely different backgrounds that wanted to go to this same tournament as I did. Mm. And I took a train an hour and 10 minutes to go to compete. Mm-hmm. They got there, however they got there, whether it's a subway or they walked or they drove, whatever. And then we turned the computers on and it's, it's game on. It's all even. And then I, I ended up being on a team that was pretty racially diverse. But again, that wasn't our goal is to have like a diverse team. Our goal is to have the best team. Right. And the best team happened to be a diverse group of people. Right. And we won. And that was that was great for us. And it didn't really matter what the other people looked like or what their sexual preferences are. Or, mm-hmm. and that didn't matter to us. What mattered was winning the game. Right. And that that mentality is sort of how I've approached life. Okay. So when you when you were when you were playing the games, what drew you to how, how did you how did they, how did you first of all, how did you get to Southern Methodist from yeah. from from Connecticut? And then how did you get involved with the, the Venom? How did that happen? Yeah. So I was running an independent team called JMC. And so JMC, you know, was sort of like the little giants of esports. I like to put it that way. We were constantly considered the third best team talent wise next to a team called Team 3D run by Craig Levine mm-hmm. and Complexity, Complexity run by Jason Lake. Right. And then we were always number three, but I had no budget. Right. Jason was independently wealthy funding his team. Craig being sort of the godfather of esports had corporate sponsorship. And I, I started the team when I was 16. I ran it when I was 17, 18 years old. I'd really beg sponsors to take me seriously. And mm-hmm. a few did, but I would always be able to put together winning lineups because I played the game myself. I was deeply connected. I like played with the guys I was trying out to make sure they were good. And we won a lot. And in esports, that matters. Mm-hmm. And so we would win qualifiers that would give us opportunities to go to Korea and film a TV show. How, how old were you when you did this? 18. 18. <laughs> You're going to Korea 18. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's an interesting story. I ended up not making that trip with the team because my lung collapsed two days before the flight. Mm-hmm. So I was in the hospital for 12 days. And by the time I came, I, I was healthy again. A, I couldn't fly for two months, but the team uh, had already been knocked out of the tournament. So they were very good. That wasn't our best tournament. We came back and a world championship and came in third after that, which is a whole long story. But yeah, we I was young, man. I, I Our initial sponsors didn't know how old I was and I was kind of cold calling them and I got, just based off the team's press and results, uh, a little bit of money. And then when they started competing and winning, we got some more money, but it was it was hard to be taken seriously. But again, winning sort of solves solves a lot of problems and, and we just focused on winning. We were totally performance oriented. Wow. I just want to remind everybody you're 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 listening to the Dr. Mark's Masterclass podcast on the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network, powered by Innovation Media Enterprise. And we're talking to Brother Charles Conroy here, talking about his amazing career and his amazing life, and just talked about not going to Korea, but he was able to do some other important, unique things. And and so tell me, so now you're in college, and now what? You're a junior now. Before this direct TV uh, happened, right? Were well, you a sophomore, or junior? Yeah. So I was a junior when I got the look. So here's how that went down. DirecTV made a, uh, had like sort of a, a preamble tournament in 2007. It was mm-hmm. a one-off tournament. My team competed in that. They mm-hmm. picked the four best, the uh, three best teams in America and then a team from Europe. Mm-hmm. And again, we were always coming in third. So that was, a, that was a big deal. We were all flown out to San Francisco, mm-hmm. had our hotel rooms paid for. They gave us all a thousand bucks for being there for two days of filming. And then you went to a TV set and you filmed. That was really exciting. After that sort of pilot, they decided to green light a, a league with six teams starting in North America, 18 teams around the world. Actually, I believe eight teams in North America, sorry, and 18 teams around the world. And I didn't know if I was going to get the look to run one of the teams, but mm-hmm. it was it was a full-time job. Mm-hmm. The players were going from making around 500 bucks a month to a guaranteed 30 grand. Mm-hmm. They could win up to 100K per player. How old are these kids, these young people? Uh, so you had to be... 17 to play in the, you had to be 18 to play in the league. Mm -hmm. So they're between 18 
and about 26, mm. I think was the age range. We actually had a guy on my racing team that was 42 and, and the racing games were sort of outliers because they generally were just an older demographic of gamer. So some of the guys in the racing games were in their thirties and forties, but most of the gamers were between 18 and 26. Okay. And I didn't, so they made this big announcement announcement. We knew this league was coming out. I didn't think I was going to get the look to run one of the teams because of my age, but I had been doing this exact thing for, you know, five years and I've been doing the job that it's basically like someone asking to hire you for a job and asking you what makes you qualified. And the answer is cause I've been doing it. Right. Right. And no one else in the world was really doing this. So Craig sold team 3d to direct TV and then was kind of tasked with building the infrastructure for this league. Jason sold complexity and was immediately hired. I had really good relationships with those guys mm -hmm. because they were the number one and number two teams and at all these world events, we were always there together. So I knew that helped me, but at the same time I was 19 years old. Mm. and they were hiring someone to run essentially a million-dollar budget for a team, including mm. personnel, managing a website, drafting these players, and then being completely responsible for this brand. Okay, so okay, you're 19 now? I'm 19. Okay, so you didn't take a business course or anything? No, I was, I was, <laughs> I was still taking like prerequisites. <laughs> and wow. and uh, really, most of my focus was on running my gaming team. Okay. So I was, I was in college, and I was enjoying the college experience, mm. but, but I was running a business outside of it. One that I was making no money on, I was, I was actually negative money, but I, I still believed in esports. And so when this opportunity came up, it was really important that I put my brand and myself in the best position to, to get this. So everyone knew who I was. There was actually a, a lot of articles written about whether I get this job or not. And they started announcing people that they were hiring. And again, they announced one general manager pretty much every day. And my name didn't get mentioned. I didn't even get a phone call about it. I didn't get an interview. So in my mind, I wasn't getting it. And so at that point, my, my, my entire like headspace was let's just get my, my team into the league so my guys can get taken care of. I'll figure out a role maybe after I graduate. And so my team qualified for the league. Again, didn't look like I was getting it. And I was at a movie theater in LA at a gaming tournament. And I get a call from Craig saying, hey, you knew we were going to hire you the whole time, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there. like I didn't get a single interview from these guys. But wow. having been part of the pilot... And having the recommendations I had, I got the job. You know, when we started the league, I was, I was 20 on day one. And so that was, uh, it was a lot of responsibility, but it was exciting. And it actually brought up the choice of whether or not I finished college because I was making, you know, adult level money with adult level responsibility. Let's tell everybody, let's, let's just, let's just be real. You're making about 85, right? Yeah, to start. And I was 20 years old. That's crazy. So, and I was <laughs> like, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily see the need to finish college. Wow. And it took a real, a, a real conversation with my family who said, look, we've always supported you in gaming, but we've also always stressed education. Right. And, you know, we, we want you to finish school because this gaming thing could go away. And I was a 20 year old kid making right. good money that was in a limo at the Playboy Mansion. Like, I was like, you kidding me? I made it. This is it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was like, go did you, did you meet? Did you meet Hugh Hefner? I, I did not. So they were like rented out for events. Okay. Um, and that story is always like big in the gaming world because again, these guys are making $500 a month and then they're at the Playboy Mansion wearing suits getting drafted. Like, the way the championship gaming series flipped gaming was so quick and crazy. Mm -hmm. It was like this roller coaster and we're all hanging on. I thought it was going to last forever because I go, how could this ever fail? Well, it did. They spent $45 million in two years. They grew way too fast. They did They did things they didn't need to do, which if you were involved were great, like having all these people's apartments paid for in LA and like having dope places to live. Like it was it was a great experience, but overall it was it was too big, too quickly, too early. So that crashed. Luckily I did finish school. Right. 
Um, but before, let's go backwards for a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know how you mentioned that you were making that kind of money. Obviously, it's not the same kind of money you'd make in the NBA if you're 20 years old and you're a, you're a superstar. But in the future, it could come to that. I think it will. What's your what's your what's your take about a young person that's in college and they had the same experience you had, but now they're making millions of dollars. Now they have a chance to make millions of dollars. Do you encourage that kid to go to finish school, or do you, what do you, what do you think about that? So. And this might be controversial, but I think the Let's value be controversial. Let's go. I think the value of a traditional college degree is, is going down because there's so many jobs right now that just don't require it. And mm. there's there's jobs that college doesn't prepare you for. I know Google has dropped the requirement. I know Tesla doesn't have that requirement. So there's major companies you could work for. Also, people because of where the internet's at can, can innovate on a level that wasn't possible before. Absolutely. With that said, I am so thankful that I finished out school. The relationships that I've made in that time from both a personal friendship level and a business level, because I've done business with with people that I've gone to school with are invaluable. Right. So unless you have like a rock star idea that you think you're going to kill it at, I think it's a great way to kind of figure, figure yourself out, mm-hmm. meet great people that'll be lifelong friends along the way mm-hmm. and, and just appreciate the experience and, and, and ride that ride. So super happy I finished, but I don't know if it's necessary to finish. If, if someone was in... The position I was in 12 years ago and they were making seven figures, you know, maybe it's smarter for them to pursue that, that path. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think, do you think your experiences traveling around the world at such a young age, being a general manager of a team, managing a budget of what's a million dollars, you know, do, do you think you had a, did that prepare you for what you're doing now? Because I think it sounds like you've had a unique experience that the average student will not have while they're in school. And that's why as an educator, I'm not going to say I have to be careful. This is controversial. I'm not worried about it. I, I, just, I agree with you. I think that some people, they they should go to college if they have the opportunity to. Other people, if you have a chance to go to trade school, community college, you do it. And then there's some people that are just phenoms beyond belief and like right now in the NBA you have people like coming out of high school it used to be coming out of high school LeBron you had Kobe you had Tracy McGrady uh, Daryl Dawkins people like that but then they said no you can't come out of college you can't come out of high school anymore you got to go to college first and I think that's insanity because if a young man uh, or woman works for you know goes to, goes to college or maybe their freshman sophomore year and they have an opportunity to work for Google maybe and Google says hey let's come 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 out let's go Google, they can hire the person but in the NBA or NFL, you got to wait until your junior year. Do you, do you got to wait till junior year? Yeah. Well, in football, you do. Okay. And basketball, you can play one year, one and done. I, I think it's insanity. They say, well, football, you can't do it because because their bodies aren't mature yet. But come on. When you have, do you have, you have some, some athletes that are phenoms and they don't, they have a very short life of making that kind of money. I mean, look at Zion. Oh yeah. Zion. Zion should have, Zion should have went to college, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, he, if you listen to Zion, he he feels appreciative that he did. Yeah. So I, I think football, and I could talk about this all day, but if you're a high school quarterback and you're a stud yeah. and you try to go directly to the pros, you're going to get wrecked. Yeah, you will get wrecked. But get, certain positions, like maybe mm-hmm. defense, a defensive player, a big guy is like 6'8 and yeah, 350 pounds or something. You're competing against pretty grown men once you get into yeah. the league. Yeah. You need those college years. Uh, yeah. And, and I get when you're a junior, you don't want to get hurt. But I, I'd even argue you need that senior year mm. because when you go into the league, you're, you're competing against some big guys. Yeah. And they're moving pretty fast. <laughs> They'll rip you apart. <laughs> they will. Because <laughs> you're a big football fan. <clears throat> Huge football fan. Huge football fan. Yes. I'm a gigantic Steelers fan. And uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but right now we're 11 and two. Let that be known. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, so what, how, how do you, how do you manage your, your love for gaming and football at the same time? Cause a lot of times when I meet a lot of gamers, they're just so focused on gaming alone and they, it's almost like sports is, they're oblivious to sports. Why is that? So I don't know. I just love competition. I will say when I was a player, mm-hmm. I did not think about anything besides Counter-Strike, really. Mm-hmm. I would look into other games, but it was CS all the time. Then when I owned an organization, when I was hiring the players myself, mm-hmm. I just cared about gaming because I had teams in four different games. So I had to watch all four of those games to figure out who was the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a really cool position now in my life where I work for a pretty much a sports company running their gaming division. Mm-hmm. So conference calls I'm on all the time are about the PGA Tour they're about the Super Bowl. They're about the NBA bubble. But my responsibilities lie completely under the gaming umbrella. Mm-hmm. And that to me has been great because you have to realize from 16 to 30, esports was it for me. I didn't do anything else. I didn't have, I've never had like a quote unquote normal job mm-hmm. in the corporate world, except for, you know, a year that I took off from gaming after we sold the team. And so esports has been it. So to get into a company where I don't have to talk about esports all day, but still pursue my passion mm-hmm. is nice because I'd like to know how other industries work. Right. right. I have a curious mind and I, I want to know how do you negotiate a, a sports contract for the NBA bubble? That to me is crazy interesting. Right. So now I, I kind of balance it all and my, my job allows me to do that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to a couple of things. You said a number of things. We talked about a direct TV and I want to talk about, you know, being so young and having the responsibility of telling your players that the league is no longer existing. That's yeah. one. And then how the did hardest you- Hardest moment of my sports career. And how, how, did you, how did you deal with that? What was that like? So this is this was crazy, and I I, I I get emotional just thinking about it. The league was a a beacon of hope for a lot of people. So a lot of these guys weren't, you know, they, they most of them didn't go to college. They they just were Counter Strike players. Counter Strike was sort of their way out in some circumstances, or their way up, you know, and the other games as well. And, and and this league made them all superstars on a level that they never thought. You know, they they pulled people like our the captain of my team was working at Costco. Mm. And then he was the most popular guy in the league. He won the MVP uh, season two. I mean, he made the hundred grand. Like his life was, you know, they put him on a world stage Mm -hmm. and really made him a celebrity. And then when they shut down the league, it was simply a notice on the website one morning. Mm. There were no calls to the general managers. There was no corporate email sent out. I actually had a ticket to go to LA in four days to talk about the rules for season three, which is going to kick off in about nine weeks from that time. So I woke up at the time. My then girlfriend was like on Facebook. Everyone is talking about goodbye CGS. What are they talking about? And I go, what? They get out of bed. Right. And I was a gamer. It was probably a little later in the day. <laughs> and, uh, okay. I'm I'm looking on the website and just as it shut down, I'm, I'm calling my boss. I'm calling the producers. I'm getting no answer. My players are calling me. I'm fielding every call. But again, I'm fielding every call with no answer. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And I, I don't have an answer for them. And people are freaking out because there's no explanation of compensation packages. Again, this is everyone's livelihood. I get an email about two hours later saying, hey, we're going to do a conference call for all the general managers. Uh, you should be on it. I get on the call. And it was one of those calls where you can't speak. Right. Everyone's muted. Right. And they go, hey, guys, we're going to make this short and sweet. Unfortunately, looking at budgets, we spent too much money last year. And when we're about to start off on season three, our contracts were all three season contracts, by the way. Mm. Very important to note that if a company goes under, you can have a 10-year contract. doesn't matter. Mm. Right? So we had three-year contracts. And no guarantees, no guarantee money for the third year then. No. Well, I mean, yeah, it was it was all assumed on the league. Like there was escalations in the contract year right. over year. Right. But that all assumes the business is still intact, right? Okay. If you bankrupt that entity... You don't know anyone, anything. Mm. And so they go, Hey guys, we're going to be 
We're going to be shutting down the league. We don't think it makes sense financially to continue. We appreciate all your support in this project. Everyone's going to get two weeks salary and for the players and everyone. And, and that's it. Good luck. And that was the end of the call. Wow. And Brutal. Uh, you could, you could get paid an extra. The general managers got this offer. You get paid an extra two weeks. If you never talk about the championship gaming series. And I was the only general manager that didn't take that deal. Cause to me, this was such a colossal mess up. And I knew esports was going to get big that being able to talk about it openly now was not worth $2,500 to me. Mm -hmm. Even at the time when that was a lot of money to me, I was like, and, and I, <laughs> again, I was 21 years old. I didn't really understand how the world works. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be talking about this on talk shows and this is going to be a big thing. And it's going to be this world story about what not to do in esports. That never happened, but I do think it's an example of what not to do. They they went too big and they they stopped it too abruptly. And a lot of people's lives were were thrown in in flux, really. And uh, you had a couple of days to get out of your the place you were living at too, right? So I was in I was in Dallas when I found out the news. We weren't in season, mm -hmm. but the way the league worked is if you and I guess this is typical to most like quote unquote reality shows. But if your team gets eliminated, you have twenty four hours to be on a flight somewhere, mm -hmm. and they book you a ticket, mm -hmm. but your apartment's gone. So you get uh, 24 hours to pack up, say goodbye, and then the next morning you're on a flight out to wherever you tell them mm -hmm. you need to go. So that was that was tough. But I mean, yeah, the whole process, you know, that's how TV works. And you kind of learn some harsh lessons at a young age, but we kind of dusted our boots off. And, and I talked to uh, all the other GMs, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. What's everyone's game plan? Right. People didn't really know. It was very sudden. I certainly didn't have answers for the players because mm -hmm. that entire time I was very in control of the team and a great support system. But... When the league shut down, I was a 21-year-old kid that just lost his job, and I'm getting calls from other people that lost their job. I didn't have an answer. Wow. So that was a tough experience to not be able to be the rock there for the team because I, that's the only time I feel like my age really came into account. And I say that, but but the managers that were in their 30s and 40s didn't have answers for their team either. Like, we all have the rug swept up from under us. And so when people call you and they're like, what am I going to do to pay my bills? And you don't know, it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. But you're in the same boat. Yeah, I, I mean, I just can't imagine that. One, well, one of the other things that came out of this, well, prior to this, because you almost, you, at first, when you were trying to get into the right, the, uh, the 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 league and being a general manager, they hadn't called you yet. You weren't sure. You thought it was big about your age, and they finally said, "Hey, guess what? You you made it." But but you missed the first meeting. Tell tell everybody about that experience. How you missed the first meeting? Because I I want people to understand something that. And it may not be about age, but when you get an opportunity, you've got to make sure that you you do take the opportunity to make the best of that situation. And even though you were very responsible, tell everybody what happened to you because this could be a lesson learned for people and to look at what's prior what what they put as priority and things that they may not think is priority. But I think what you did was the right thing because it was it was very noble of you to do what you did. But how did you how do you how did you manage that? Yeah. So. I was under a lot of scrutiny for my age. People were waiting for me to mess up. People were waiting for me to not take the opportunity seriously. And this was the opportunity, in my opinion, of a lifetime. This was a job I'd been doing at a loss. I literally had been doing this job, not even on a volunteer basis, at a loss. Because mm -hmm. um, this is my was quite literally my dream job. And so the initial meeting, when they were going to tell us all our team names and our brands that DirecTV had developed, like I didn't come up with the name Dallas Venom. Mm -hmm. They did. All the branding was there. There was a big reveal meeting in LA. Mm -hmm. And... Two days before I was supposed to fly out, my college girlfriend's brother, who was in the army and home on leave, was on a boat. A boom hit him in the head. Mm -hmm. He got knocked unconscious, went over, and they were looking for his body. The day before, or two days before I was supposed to fly out, they found his body. Mm -hmm. And she was a wreck, and, and I was supposed to go to the airport a mere, hour, a, few, a mere few hours later. 
I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't leave her in a state like that until, you know, she got home and was with her family. Then I could go do my thing. But I would have had to have literally left her after they found out about this. And I told them, hey guys, I'm going to be a couple of days late. Wow. After they've already said he's too young, he's too young. Right. And then you're, and you're missing this. And they're not even thinking about why they didn't even care. Probably what they probably did care. Cause you, you, you were, I, I, I told them why. Yeah, yeah. And they said that, you know, that's unfortunate, but we have a TV show to start here. And I said, I, I am well aware of that. I'm not going to miss the season. Right. You know, but I'm, I'm going to be a couple of days late. Right. And I showed up a day and a half late, you know, and it, it was, it was rather, it, it was a bad way to start. Mm-hmm. But I also didn't regret the way I handled that situation. Yeah. Very noble. Because again, uh, everyone listening, you got to think about, you know, what, what your priorities are. You know, I think that shows a lot of responsibility and, and um, it also says something about your character and who, what kind of person you are. Clearly, the, the way your parents raised you, I'm sure it gave you amazing values because not, not everybody would do that. Other people might think, well, this is my big shot. And you know, they've been criticizing me, so I'm gonna go. Just I'm just gonna forget this person over here. But how how do you how do you decide something like that? You it, know? Yeah, I mean, I want to say it was tough, but to me, it really wasn't that tough. Like it was. Right. It, this is what I was gonna do. I don't think you're gonna fire me for being a day right. late. I get I missed my first meeting. I'm here now, and I'm gonna kill it for you. Yeah, I did. And that's they see. This is why I love this cat right here because because he has that mentality. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it my all one thousand percent at the time, no matter what. But I also know it's important. Family's important first. Yeah, for sure. And we've got to remember family's always important, and you have to think about that. So I want to also remind you that you're listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast on the Esports Future Ride Podcast Network, powered by Innovation Media Enterprises. We're here talking to Charles Conroy. What an amazing story he has. You know, and so so post Direct TV, I know that. That 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 they were trying to figure out what what, what are we going to do? I know you opened up, you invested in two restaurants, right? right so that right? was after the Cowboys. That was after sale. the Cowboys sale. But before that, you when you were trying to figure out your life, you went back to school, got your degree. You said, "I want to go." What happened? You 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 found some two lost friends, right? Yes. Yeah, so, Tell everybody about that situation. So pretty shortly after after Directv closed down, everyone was like, "What are we going to do?" Mm-hmm. And to Lake and I, it was clear we were going to start teams again. Right. I mean, Jason and I had, you know, arguably two of the top, not arguably two of the top three teams in North America where we stood every week to week was, is arguable, but we ran teams. That's what we did. Right. And Jason's like, well, I'm going to run a team again. And I said, I am too. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have any money? No. Do you have any money? A little bit. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Right. And, but we had players that have been on TV for two seasons. Mm-hmm. And then our other buddy was a really smart guy, Jason Just Bass. In Bass, right. And he never really gets talked about a lot, but Bass was sort of the glue that held the whole thing together. So big shout out to him. He did and a digital content. He he ran, he was a COO, but right. his, okay. his background was running the content for the league. Right. So he worked for the CGS in the content role, mm-hmm. managing all the websites. I mean, Lake ran a team and I ran a team. It was very clear based off my age and my relationship with the players mm-hmm. that I should be running the player side. Lake being a former lawyer, you know, sort of the CEO role. Mm-hmm. And then Bass ran operations. And the three of us kind of formed this this super team in our eyes of, of a management squad. We got some of the players from the league to sign on for no mm-hmm. money at first because we didn't have any money. Right. And we're like, we'll get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need you to kind of work for free for a couple months. And he bought the and, team for a dollar? Uh, yeah. So he sold he sold it to DirecTV for 250 grand. When the league folded, he goes, listen, this is a valuable brand to me. Mm-hmm. You guys are clearly out of gaming. You don't see a value here. I'd like to buy it back. And they're like, well, you know, you have to pay us something. How about a dollar? You know what, man? Here's a paperwork, one dollar. <laughs> so we got it back. So we right. got this, and 
wasn't a bad way to, it's not like we were starting a new company from nothing. We had a valuable brand. Right. We had players that have been televised. We had three people that have proven themselves as leaders and, and we were off to the races. So I literally bought a ticket to the consumer electronics show. We printed out like 20 pitch books. Mm. I went to about 400 booths just knocking. Hey, are you interested in this esports opportunity? Mm-hmm. And we walked out of there with two deals. And, and I think that's also an important lesson. Mm. I have 398 no's. Wow. So everyone's saying, you know, you're this phenom, you, everything you touch turns to gold. I had 398 people tell me to, to scram. Right. And they were a lot nicer than that. In some cases, some cases, honestly, they weren't, but I, all I needed was two. I needed two W's out of 400 and we got them. And, and that's how complexity relaunched. Wow. So, so what made, what made you sell the, the complexity to Jerry Jones? I mean, Jerry Jones is, you know, obviously Dallas Cowboys. And, but what I know that you were looking at esports and looking at it growing and developing and, were you, were you ever gun shy about, you know, what happened with direct TV? Did you think it was, did you, were you, were you nervous about somebody taking a chance on you again? Or did you think it was going to happen? Yeah. So I think esports drastically uh, changed after Twitch came out. Mm-hmm. I call it the post Twitch era of esports. So Twitch came out and it all changed and you saw crazy money coming into esports mm-hmm. from sports teams everywhere. Like Envy just got, had gotten like $70 million, right? Optic is getting funded. Everyone's getting funded and complexity been along around longer than all these brands. And we were like, man, where's, where's our shot? And we had offers, but they were kind of like shady offers. Like, Oh, a billionaire son wants to buy the team and run it. And we're like, we're not doing that because we know how that's going to end up. And we've really built something special here. Then the Cowboys came along and they came along through an introduction actually by Craig Levine. And I always credit Craig with being the godfather of esports and and he had our back and recommended uh, us to them. And we entered into conversations and Jason flew out to the star many times and was sort of our emissary in these negotiations. Mm -hmm. And after about four months of going back and forth, we had a deal. It was obvious we needed outside money Mm -hmm. to compete. And we're better outside money and who better to sell to than the number one sports brand in the world. You couldn't ask for something better on your resume. And the way they wanted to treat the team after the acquisition and the way they have treated their team, they've been, you know, men of their word. That integration from a sports and esports level, I think is the best in the game. Wow. And it's been incredible and complexity's thriving now. And I think we made the right choice. And every time I look back at that decision, I go, yep, that was, that was the move. By the way, it smells great in here. Yeah. See, yeah. See, I, see, I, I told you it's just, it's Invictus, man, you know, and, and you also have, you know, the million as well, but the, the Invictus is my favorite. And so, you know, one of the things I got a chance, I got a chance to hang out with John Davidson probably about three weeks ago. And John has been a good friend over the last few years. And when I was at the University of Houston, he used to come to my university and talk to our students. And he was at GameStop, vice president of GameStop. And he, and I remember when the deal was about to happen, the, the GameStop performance, the performance center at Complexity. And he told me about the deal before it was about to go down. And I had never seen it up close. And he, when I was, when I was here last, no, two weeks ago, he actually showed it to me like a proud father. And I'm like, oh my God, that's what it looks like up close. I was, I almost had a tear because I, I, I know John and, and I know what kind of person he is. He's just an awesome guy. John, shout out to John, brother John, what's up, man? And so John, just seeing that, that, you know, the, 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 the finished product, you know, up close and personal was really great to see. And I remember watching the complexity has these seven series of how it was made. And I've watched those over and over and over again. And I'm just so unreal. fascinated. Yeah, it's unreal. So I'm, yeah. I can't wait to go inside it finally when it, when it finally opens up. So, you know, in closing, let's, let's talk about this, you know, so post, 
you know, um, working for working for Complexity. You're still close with Complexity, obviously. And now you moved down to Dallas, and uh, you you had the two restaurants up in the up in New York. And uh, so tell us now, what's what what is what is like like what is life like now, and what is life like going to be in the next five years? What do you see yourself in the next five years? Man, I have I have no idea where I'm going to be in five years because the last you know, 12 have been a rocket ship and mm-hmm. a journey with ups and downs. I, I've learned some, I've learned some character flaws about myself. I've learned some mm-hmm. strengths. Well, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I need to be better at as a, as a man and a, as a person? But you know, right now I'm here right. and I'm really enjoying the opportunity. I'm excited for live events to come back. You know, the switch was supposed to support 150 esports events this year. We ended up mm-hmm. supporting about 22 oh, wow. due to COVID. I'm excited to get back on the road and to see some friends again. Right. To not be in Zoom conferences all the time. Yeah. To be able to, you know, just see esports grow the way it was supposed to grow in 2020. Right. 2020 was supposed to be the year of esports live events. Everyone I've talked to in the industry, from interns to CEOs, is ready for it to be the year of esports again with live events. When it's safe enough to come back, I think we're going to see the rocket ship that was supposed to be 2020 happen. Mm-hmm. Um, excited, excited to be an inter- integral part part of that, and you know, hopefully meet meet some cool people that are entering the space and 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 guide them however I can as as a friend and a colleague. I, I'm just I, again, I'm just this, this conversation has been amazing, man, because finally we get a chance to see each other in person. And I'm just thinking about all the young people out there that are coming up and even parents that want to know about the esports space and want to know if their child is, if they're wasting their time. And you you are going to be such a great, if you decided to be a professor or if you decided to teach at some point, you would be an amazing professor because you would be able to not only educate the young people, but their parents and really get them to understand the value of this is, the value of hard work, teaching them about business acumen at such a young age. And a lot of parents aren't seeing that because all they're doing is seeing their kids play consistently they're not seeing the bigger picture because they haven't met a person like you and to see someone like you done this in 17 years and doing it so young it's amazing because I, I mean I come from corporate America so I know what it took to have the business acumen and, and to know how to manage a team and to know how to manage a budget that's not easy and you and you, you were that was thrusted upon you actually you took it upon yourself to do it at 19 years old and so very impressive we've been with Charles Conway we, we're gonna have to bring you back I know you've been back you've been here three times uh, well, I'm local now baby like <laughs> yeah so okay. you, would you come back on the show and bless us with your presence hey Dr. Mark any chance to hang out with you? We're going to try some new colognes next yes, time? Yes, yeah, we will try some new colognes. And because, I, you know, this, these are my favorite right now. But I also love pie. Have you heard of pie before? I have not. Okay. We're going to talk colognes and shoes next time. I, I have. So I have a couple. I got into collecting sneakers for a hot minute. And then I realized how hard and expensive it was. But I have like four pairs during that time. Okay. I'll bring like two. Okay. Well, well see, I, I got you there. So you got me with the gaming. I got you with the shoes. I come from the there shoe industry. So shoe industry, they send me stuff all the time. There so, we go. So tell me what size are you? I'm a nine and a half. Nine and a half. We're going to get you some. Tell me what kind of shoes. I'm going I'm to surprise you. Woo. Okay. I'm going to surprise you. We're we'll back every week. Yes. I'm going to surprise <laughs> you and get you something that, that you are going to love. I'm not sure what yet, but a nine and a half. Okay. You've been listening to Dr. Mark's podcast, um, Masterclass podcast on the Esports Future Eye podcast network powered by Innovation Media Enterprises. We want to thank again, Aaron and see you. Thank you for everything again. And uh, They're AJ, awesome. They're awesome. AJ, my man, you made it. I know you're making us sound good. And I got to thank the boss of the big dog, Jacob. Thank you again for everything. And I always remind people, you cannot control other people. You cannot control other people. You can control yourself. The only thing you can control are three things, what you think, what you do, and what you say. Thank you again. God bless you. And we will see you soon. Thanks for listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass. I pray you enjoyed yourself today. 
I had a good time. I don't know about you, but this podcast is part of the Esports Future Ride Podcast Network and is produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and let us know how we're doing by leaving a comment or a review. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.